Morning, church. I don't know about you, but that song is a toe tapper. And I know so because I looked around the room and I saw a lot of toe tapping going on. Uh, it's good. I love it. I love when God's word is ministered to us in song. And that song there reminds us to indeed taste and see that the Lord is indeed good. And one of the ways that we know that, in fact, the prime way that we see and we know that we taste of that goodness is through his written word. And that's where our hearts are going to go this morning as we turn in our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5 together. 1 Peter chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible this morning, we've got a couple of uh, fine-looking men here who will make their way around so that you can uh, join in in our study this morning. So just put your hand in the air and they'll make sure that you can uh, be a part of that and have a Bible to follow along with us this morning. First Peter chapter 5 is where we're going to be again in our reading together this morning. And as we do so, we're going to resume our series that we started a few weeks ago on the relational commitments that seek to build up and strengthen uh, the local church body. Uh, hopefully by now you have picked up one of these uh, documents that our elders have sought to put together. These are available at that back table. So if you have not done so, I would encourage you to grab one at some point uh, this morning so that you can just follow along for the sake of this series. But uh, just a reminder that this document is not anything that's necessarily inspired of our own. It is a attempt, a feeble attempt on the part of our leadership to summarize what we believe to be the commitments of the local church. In recent weeks, we have built the foundation for this series, beginning first with the, uh, both the need and, and importance for local church membership. And last week, we ventured into the first commitment of this document and the series, uh, which serves as the basis for where we get all the rest of things, which is the authority and the grounds of God's word itself, that we are a people who are fully submitted to the authority of God's holy scriptures. But today we are going to move further into the makeup of the church as we consider the importance of its leadership. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you are able to stand as we read together from 1 Peter chapter 5. A uh, fairly short section here, but this is Peter uh, writing to this group of suffering, uh, persecuted believers, and as he begins to wrap up his letter here, he has a final exhortation that he wants to give specifically to the leadership, and so we're going to begin in verse 1, and I'm actually going to read all the way down through verse 5. Peter writes this. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. 
Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is God's word for us to meditate on this morning. You may be seated and we'll pray that God will bless our time together as we study together this morning. And indeed, Father, now as we come to the time of our gathering together as a people, where we sit under the instruction of your word, we do pray according to even that last line that we just read, that you give grace to the humble. And so I pray for uh, the hearts of those here this morning that you would humble us, uh, that you would supply your grace to us as we seek to better understand your word, uh, better seek to submit to your word, uh, especially in light of a, a topic like what we're going to talk about this morning that can come with all kinds of range of emotions and backgrounds and experiences. I pray that you would just help us to be submitted to your word, to receive it, and to respond to it uh, more than anything out of a desire to love you, to serve you, and honor you with our lives. So would you please do that in and through your people today? would ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we talked about the challenges that our society has with the ideas of uh, submission and authority. We recognize that such terms obviously carry a lot of uh, baggage due to all kinds of factors, whether it be misconceptions, whether it be abuses of authority. And that's why we began this uh, with this first and ultimate authority of God's word. If we are to be a people who live according to God's ways, then we must be fully submitted first and foremost to God above all. Our understanding begins to soften when we understand who God is and why he has given us his truth. It becomes easier then for us to understand why we submit to his instruction because we understand it's for our spiritual good. And that humility is important, especially as we come to the subject at hand today. Because here's where we must remember that even though God's authority is supreme, meaning that it is the highest, God still chooses to delegate his authority in certain earthly ways and in different human spheres. Uh, we see throughout his word that he delegates that authority in certain uh, ways to households. Uh, to, to husbands, to fathers as they lead their homes, uh, in the workplace, to those who are in positions of authority and have those over them, uh, the government sphere, that no human uh, leader is in a place apart from God's sovereign control. But for the purposes of this morning, we're going to see how God delegates his spiritual authority within the church, in particular to a group of men who are known as elders. And even though these men are those that the church is called to follow and to submit under, these men are men who are still first and foremost submitted to the chief shepherd himself, Christ Jesus so for the sake of this morning, we're going to look at how the local church is strengthened when its members are committed to following the leadership of their God-appointed elders. 
Again, just saying that again for you. The church is strengthened. It is built up when its members are committed to following the leadership of their God-appointed elders. I recognize that that's a unique thing for us to talk about, and it's certainly a unique thing as an elder who is standing before you telling you to to do this. And so I recognize the, the unique nature of this. And yet I also, again, in a week of just studying the scriptures, have just sought to better understand why God designed it that way and why he has done it that way for the spiritual good of the people that are a part of those local assemblies. So if you were to look at your uh, document that you have in front of you, you're going to see there that the second relational commitment that our elders have summarized for you in terms of what we want for our church is that I will joyfully follow the leadership of my God-appointed elders. That's what that second commitment there in that document will read for you. It's on the screen for you if you don't have that. Uh, But after being a people who are fully submitted to the authority of God's holy scriptures, we now seek to be a people who will joyfully follow the leadership of God-appointed elders. And I think it's important that we look at that commitment just a little more closely here. I want to understand some of the the elements there as to why that was phrased in such a way. And I want to work uh, backwards on it by looking at the end part there where it says God-appointed elders. We are people who recognize the, the men that God has called to this work. There is obviously certain objective and subjective standards that go into understanding who indeed is called to that ministry. But if we truly believe that God is sovereign over all things, we understand that these are men that God has chosen, that God has appointed to these particular positions. Uh, these are men who, according to this uh, commitment here, Uh, our leaders, right? We will follow the leadership of these God-appointed elders. These are men who are given a role of significant leadership that is above all spiritual in nature. Uh, Their leadership is not one of uh, business in nature. It is not one of leadership just to have a a, a following of people uh, under them. It is spiritual, It has an objective purpose, as we'll talk about this morning. But then we go to the first part of that statement where it says, I will joyfully submit. I will joyfully follow. That's the hard part for us, isn't it? Why should I, why should you follow these men? Why is it that following these men, according to God's written word, why is it that that actually is designed for your greatest spiritual good? Well, as we've done in previous weeks, I want to build a case for that. I just want to go back to Scripture. I want God's word to speak for itself as to why God has designed it this particular way. But what I want to do before we even get to some of those reasons is I want to understand better the nature of the role. Uh, who these men are. And I want to do so with a little bit of study in terminology. I know that's why you all came to church this morning, is for a study in terminology, right? That's what gets you out of bed on Sundays. So we'll do that for a few minutes here. 
But throughout the New Testament, different words are used to describe this group of men known as the elders or the eldership. And these different terms are not referring to different roles or different uh, groups of people in particular. It's just giving different aspects to those various, to that various role. A couple of the key ones that I think that we should all be familiar with because I think they speak really clearly for us are the following. One of the, the terms that is used for the elders is uh, an overseer or the overseers of the church. Uh, that's where we get the English term for bishop. It's this a word, episkopos. You can tuck that away in your back pocket to use for later. But the idea here of an overseer is inherent in that word. It is oversight. Uh, it speaks to spiritual oversight of the church and to its people. The elders are also called, according to Titus 1.7, stewards of God's household. As we know anything about a steward, a steward is not one who has ownership of a particular thing. Rather, they are entrusted with that thing and called to be faithful with what they have been given. We see that in Acts 20, 28, where Paul says the elders have been entrusted with the spiritual care of God's church, which he laid down his life for. Even here in 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, chapter 5, we see that they are uh, ones who are called to uh, shepherd the church of God. It belongs to him. It doesn't belong to any single pastor. It doesn't belong to any particular group of elders. It is a church that belongs to God that has been entrusted to these men to steward for his glory. But then the final term that we should consider is the term shepherd. It's a term that's closely tied to the word that we get for pastor. Uh, that's often why we, we see that the word pastor and elder can often be used interchangeably. It doesn't have a, a distinction necessarily. Our pastors are elders, our elders are pastors, though we sometimes differentiate based on those who have been called to serve the church in full-time employment and those that we would call lay elders who are just normal working men in, in secular jobs but have been given the task of still helping to steward and to lead God's church. But they are called shepherds. And I like that language because a shepherd speaks to the role of care in all of its various forms. And it is my favorite term that the scripture uses for these men. I believe it best conveys the heart of what I want to put before you this morning. And so we're going to use that as the basis for the reasons why God has called for us, for us as a people, to follow the leadership of our God-appointed elders. So let's look at that this morning. I want to give you four reasons here. Four reasons. Your elders are spiritual shepherds who have been given, first and foremost, to feed your soul. As spiritual shepherds, your elders have been given to feed your soul. That seems a little odd to us that our soul needs feeding. So what does that practically mean? Well, primarily, the way elders feed the flock is through their teaching. Uh, this is why we began, again, our series with the understanding of the authority of God's word, because then it goes back to the first and foremost commitment of the elders, which is to set forth the authority of that word as your spiritual diet, what you need, what you need to feast on. 
These men are given to the instruction in God's word. This is why one of the only skills that the elder must possess, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3, is that he must be a man who knows how to handle the word of God. He has, must have the ability to teach and instruct uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, again, verse that you and Awana are very well familiar with, he, uh, uh, God's workmen must be able to rightly handle the word of God. That follows in the pattern of the early church where the apostles were men who were given to two primary tasks. They were given to the work of prayer and to the ministry of God's word. Uh, that looks, ministry of God's word has all kinds of different forms. It includes teaching in public and in private and one-on-one -on -one settings. It means handling the word of God well and, and the counsel that they give to others. Uh, we looked at 2 Timothy 3.16 last week. It reminds us that God's word is the guide to help teach, reprove, correct, and to, to train in righteousness. See, the reality is your soul needs feeding, it needs to be fed, and yet too often we feed on the spiritual junk of this world. Your life and the world that we live in right now is constantly being fed with instruction in some form or another. And a lot of times we choose to be fed by the things of this world. Fox News, social media, video games, compromising entertainment, we allow that to feed us. We recognize that a good shepherd knows that his sheep need quality nourishment in the same way that any parent in here knows that your child needs good nourishment as they're being brought up. They can't just feast on junk food their entire life. It is not good for their physical body. In the same way, this world that promotes so much junk and falsehood that is compromising our thinking makes it all the more important that God's shepherds are men who are feeding the sheep with the truth of God's word. A negligent shepherd is one who overlooks this responsibility for the lesser things. In fact, it's one of the key rebukes that God gives to the spiritual leaders in the day of Ezekiel. Did you know that? Even in the days of Ezekiel, the spiritual leaders were uh, rebuked by the Lord for their lack of care in this area. If you want to look at it, Ezekiel chapter 34, the word of the Lord, verse 1, came to me son of, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves and with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. This is one of the strongest rebukes given of spiritual leaders in all of the Bible. That is why God's people must be a people of the book. But that charge is led by the men who are in positions of spiritual leadership. If God's word is truly what brings life, and we believe that it is, 
then local church elders must give themselves to putting forth the word of life as the spiritual food for God's people. But there's another task that these men have. As spiritual shepherds, elders have also been given by God to lead your soul. Not just feed your soul, but to lead your soul. This leadership is certainly important, and I think there's three primary ways that we see this leadership at play. First, as we've already seen, elders are tasked with leading your soul into truth, towards greater knowledge of the truth. God does not call you to follow your spiritual leaders blindly, but only so far as they are leading you closer and farther into the truth of God's word. As such, they are modeling the example of the good shepherd in Psalm 23 who leads the sheep to still waters. Philip Keller in his excellent book on a shepherd's look at Psalm 23, being a shepherd himself, looking at Psalm 23, he has this to say. When sheep are thirsty, they become restless and set out in search of water. If not to the good water supplies of clean, pure water, they will often end up drinking from the polluted potholes where they pick up such internal parasites as nematodes, liver flukes, or other disease germs. And in precisely the same manner, Christ, our good shepherd, made it clear that thirsty souls of men and women can only be satisfied when their capacity and thirst for spiritual life is fully quenched by drawing on himself. That is what the spiritual shepherds of God's church are tasked to do, to lead God's flock, his people, back to the source of living water where they might drink deeply from the words of life that Christ himself supplies. Second, your elders are tasked with leading your soul into maturity, into greater righteousness. In fact, Psalm 23 again says this, that the good shepherd leads in paths of righteousness for the sake of God. This is why God calls for the elders more than anything else to be men of character, to be men of spiritual maturity. They're not just men who have a good business repertoire, who are successful decision makers, but they are first and foremost, if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, they are men of character, gentle, self-controlled, hospitable, peaceable, it really, as you look at 1 Timothy 3 and you look at these things, the reality is these are characteristics of any mature believer that the Lord desires for any man or woman to aspire to. But the maturity of the church will never rise higher than that of the leadership that is above them, that is seeking to model and to lead them. That's why Peter reminds the elders in our text that we read this morning that you are to be examples to the flock. Not domineering, not uh, being prideful that you are in a position of leadership as if you can exert that authority over them. But no, you are to see it as a position of example. Example in your lifestyle, example in your parenting, in your husbandry, in your uh, maturity. 
We all understand what it is to imitate others. We've all sought to imitate other people who were an example to us or somebody that we looked up to or we aspired to. Perhaps it was an athlete. Perhaps it was a singer or entertainer of sorts. Perhaps little kids or parents, you've seen this before, uh, example of being like your parents, doing the things that mom or dad did. I remember when I was a kid, I saw the movie Inspector Gadget, and I wanted to be just like Inspector Gadget, and so I threw on a trench coat and a, a giant hat and middle of the summertime, rode my bike around the neighborhood. My first case was trying to solve the missing cat case of our neighborhood. And after about two laps around the neighborhood, I realized that was really dumb. So I gave up on that. But the reality is we all seek to imitate. We, we understand in our nature there's a sense to follow in the footsteps and the examples of others who we desire to aspire to or we look up to. But what is the basis for imitating spiritual leadership, the example of those who are over you? Well, Paul would tell us according to 1 Corinthians 11, he says to the, the people there, imitate me so far as I seek to imitate Christ. We are not looking up to these men. We are not seeking to follow their example just because we want to be like them, but we want to be like Christ. We want to be like the chief shepherd himself. But there's a final way your elders are called to lead your soul. They're not just called to lead your soul into greater truth or greater maturity, but also into service, or dare we even say into sacrifice. That's the basis. Uh, the basis for this is found on the passage on the cover of your worship folder this morning from Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 reminds us that God has given us these people in positions of authority, the, the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, for what particular purpose? It is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Uh, the key word there in that passage is equip, to, to train up. To, to show them how to do these things. Did you know that each member is considered an, an, an essential component in God's building program? In fact, God's, this is God's discipleship program at work. As the elders teach and lead uh, the church, God's people are equipped to carry out the work of the ministry better the Bible never describes the work of the church as the work of the pastor. Did you know that? Some of you are starting to wonder why we even pay for these guys to be here then if that's not their work. But the work of the pastor, the work of the elders is in their teaching as they lead you into truth and towards greater maturity to help you be equipped to serve to better understand your role, your task as a, as a follower of Christ in this world. And it's not just to be fed, it's not just to be uh, consuming, but it's then to pour out yourself for the sake of others. And any good eldership, any good leadership is helping direct their people towards that end. And we'll talk more about that here and what that looks like in the coming weeks. 
But we've seen this morning that elders have been given to feed your soul and to lead your soul. But there is a third reason that these men are so important. As spiritual shepherds, uh, these elders have been given by God to guard your soul. Not just to feed, not just to lead, but also to guard your soul. That goes back to the heart of that overseer language that we talked about earlier. It calls for these to be men who are on the lookout for threats to the church, whether that be individual threats or collective uh, threats. In fact, this is foundational to the charge that Paul gives to the elders in Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 28. Look at it with me here. Acts chapter 20 up on the screen here. Paul says this, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Again, he's saying, be careful attention to the flock. Uh, You are an overseer of it. You are to care for it. But then he says in the very next verse, verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in after Uh, And among you, not sparing the flock. Uh, One of the primary ways the elders guard their flock is from these wolves. That was language used throughout the New Testament, especially to describe those who would teach contrary, to teach falsity, that would teach things that were not in accord with sound doctrine. We even see that in verse 30. And from among your own selves will rise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples. This is language that's used throughout Paul's letters to Timothy and to Titus to rebuke falsehood, to be on guard from error, to minister the truth, to be able to correct with sound doctrine. That is one of the ways that your elders, your leaders of this church have been tasked is to help protect and to guard your soul from such things. Again, this was a a key part of that rebuke that God gave the spiritual shepherds in Ezekiel's day in verse 5 of chapter 34. He says, so my sheep were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They were lost. They were wandering and they were susceptible to all kinds of harm in Ezekiel's day. But the heart of an elder is one of a guardian standing at the entrance to the sheepfold so that all spiritual dangers shall be thwarted. Is it done perfectly? Absolutely not. But it is for your spiritual good that the Lord has tasked particular men to stand there to guard you from these errors. So your spiritual shepherds have been given by God to Feed your soul, to lead your soul, to guard your soul. And then finally this morning, God has given you these men to care for your soul. To care for your soul. I don't know if there is a place that speaks to this more clearly than Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Perhaps one of my favorite passages on this. And also one of the most sobering ones, if we could be honest. Hebrews 13, 17, the writer says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. 
Right out of the gate, we were forced to reckon with the unpopular call here to obey and to submit, or we could say to, to follow. Uh, sometimes, again, this chafes against our, our very nature, but to our detriment, we can easily get hung up on that first part of what we are called to do, that we neglect or we overlook the reason for why we should do so. What is the reason that Paul gives here in these verses? Is because these men keep watch over your soul. And they do so as ones who will have to give an account for that shepherding. Uh, this is, if I could just give you a little insight into my own pastoral heart here. This is always the unique tension of wanting more people to become members of a church. Because as much as I love to see people committing to the local church, because I understand the importance and the value to uh, your own soul in that, I also recognize that for myself and for the rest of the elders, that means more souls that are added to our spiritual care that we will have to answer to God for. And that's no small task I know there are churches all over who desire for numbers to be built up and to be really boasting in the size of their church. But the reality is we don't want to necessarily be that this church because we understand that with each number that is added to this church, praise God, but it is also a number of souls that will have to be answered to God for. This verse sums up well the work of the elder to watch over souls. My hope is that you would see God's design for elder leadership that has been given for your spiritual good. Uh, he has given you men who are committed to watching over your soul, which quite honestly, as a, a follower of God, any of us should want, though that's hard to admit to. But in what ways do these men care for your souls by watching over it? First, they do so by watching out for the danger and the deceitfulness of sin. After all, Hebrews 3 reminds us that sin is deceitful. Sin is blinding. In God's kindness, he has given you spiritually mature men, though certainly imperfect men, to help fortify the defenses of your soul against the sin that wants to gain a foothold on your life. Like a good shepherd, your elders seek to protect you from the dangers of unrighteousness. Who love you enough to say, dear brother or dear sister, I love you enough to warn you against this way, to hold up the word of God to their life and say, this is not what would bring you life. This is not the path according to God's word that would bring you the greatest freedom and life that you think it will bring who love you enough to say that when you start to stray from the faith or start to wander from your commitment to this local assembly, they don't just give up and shrug their shoulders, but seek to pursue. Unlike the shepherds of Ezekiel's day who just said that the sheep were scattered, they were wandering. These are men who desire to bring you back into the fold who care about relational unity so much that they are willing to help enter into the messiness of broken marriages, broken families, broken friendships in the church so much so that they want to bring those people back together for the glory of God. And who love you so much that they are even willing after much patience and prayer and often even tears 
to remove you from among the rest of the sheep so that you might feel the weight of your sin and ultimately be brought back to God before it is too late. Yes, God has given you spiritual shepherds to care for your soul when sin becomes evident in your life, and that is for your spiritual good. But spiritual care obviously involves far more than protection from sin, doesn't it? It also involves care for suffering. Indeed, the elders are called to be men of prayer, as we saw in Acts 6-4. They are given to the ministry of the word and to prayer. James picks up on this idea in James 5.14 where he says, Are any of you sick or any of you hurting or any of you weak? Call for the elders and have them pray over you. These are men who are tasked specifically to pray and to help their people, especially those who are hurting and suffering. A quick survey of the New Testament would show us all kinds of spiritual care that is given by the elders. They speak the word of God, they pray, they comfort, they visit those who are sick, they admonish in truth and in love, they counsel, they are hospitable, uh, they protect, on and on and on. You go with this language that seeks to care and tend to, to the same way that a shepherd would care to the very needs that exist for the sheep that are entrusted to his care. Once again, the rebuke to Israel's shepherds looms large. Ezekiel 34, verse 4, the Lord says this to the shepherds of Israel's day. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought and with force and harshness, you have ruled over them. This is no small task that is given to these men, not to mention the care that is needed for their own souls. When Paul speaks to the Ephesian elders in Acts twenty twenty eight, do you notice his first words that he says to them are, pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock. He does not leave out the importance of watching over your own soul first. And so the elders, in addition to caring for the souls of the people, are also men who must look to their own souls as well. So what have we seen here this morning? Uh, we've seen that God has given these elders as spiritual shepherds to, to help his church, to, to, to lead these local assemblies of believers. These are men who have been given for the spiritual good of the members. They're called to shepherd the church by feeding them with God's word, by leading them towards greater truth, maturity, and sacrificial service. These are men who are tasked with guarding the church from falsehood and caring for them in their battle against sin and the challenges that come with the Christian life. It's a high calling, and I want to take a brief moment here to speak directly to the elders who are even here among us this morning. Men, may we never lose sight of this calling that the Lord has given to us. To never neglect the necessity to first watch over our own souls first, our households, our marriages, before we seek to watch out for the household of God. And may the Lord even renew you this morning in your devotion and your commitment of what he has called you to in this church. 
And may God give us all grace to that end. But as we close, I want to give you just a couple practical points of application this morning. Many of you are probably wondering, what do I do with this information? How should I respond to it? I think there's a couple of different things, and a couple of these are even adapted from Christopher Ashe's great book, and I say this is great because I love the title. You know what the title is? The title of this book is called The Book Your Pastor Wishes You Would Read But Is Too Embarrassed to Ask You To. It's a great book title. Apparently, I'm not too embarrassed to ask you to read it because I think it will still be really good for you. But a couple of points of application that he draws from this as well that I think are really helpful for us this morning, the first of which is this. Commit to the church. This kind of goes back to what we talked about a few weeks ago about, about the importance of formal membership in the church. Because formal membership, what it does is it helps identify you specifically with a local flock and a local group of shepherds. Uh, Peter, again here in our passage that we read this morning, talked about how you are to shepherd the flock of God among you. In other words, he is not responsible to shepherd people in other congregation, other flocks. No, he has a flock that is entrusted to his specific care. Hebrews 13, 17 that we read said to obey and submit to your spiritual leaders. In other words, there's clear leaders that you are called to submit to and to obey, not in the way that you would to other church leadership. But again, in that passage there, even in Hebrews 13, it says that you have men who are watching over your souls, who are accountable for your souls. But the question is, whose souls? That's why formal membership creates clear markers for everybody. It's saying that this is my local assembly. These are my spiritual shepherds. There's clearly defined boundaries for who is in this local assembly. And so that's why we encourage people towards this end because it is helpful to know who are the souls that our elders are accountable to as shepherds. But secondly, I would encourage you this morning to pray for your elders and hopefully that is obvious after this morning. Obviously, there is a lot that these men are tasked with and many of these men I love dearly because they are men who have secular jobs. They are working um, 40, 50, 60 hours a week in other jobs and yet they're still giving themselves to caring for the people in this church. So pray for these men. Pray for our faith. Pray for our families. Pray for God's wisdom and protection. Uh, the teaching ministry. Pray for the joy. Ministry is hard work. There is a lot of joy that comes with it, but there is a lot of hard as well. These men carry some significant burdens of this church. Pray that the Lord would renew them in that joy. Thirdly, Encourage your elders in love. Encourage your elders in love. Uh, I think about Paul's words that he writes to the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 and 13. He says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Again, these are men that are doing hard work for the Lord. Uh, and you are a church that, 
that does this so well already in your encouragements, your uh, notes of love, your prayers, right? You, many of you have said that, expressed that directly to me, and I just want to tell you, excel still more. You are doing so good as a church. Continue to work towards that to encourage these men who are helping you because guess what? That benefits you in return, Right, This reciprocal love that is shared amongst the, the sheep and the flock and, and the, the shepherds is so healthy for each other's souls. Fourthly, I would encourage you to follow your elders with trust. We look at Hebrews 13, 17, but even Hebrews 13, 7 calls for us to remember our leaders, those who taught the word of God to you to imitate their faith. Uh, all of these speak to, again, the call to imitate, to obey, to, to submit. But the reality is all of this comes down to trust, doesn't it? You are not going to be able to do this well if you do not trust the leadership that God has put in charge over you. And if trust is currently broken, that only hinders your spiritual growth. And so I would even encourage you today, if that's still you for some reason, if you are struggling to trust the elders and the leadership here, I would encourage you, seek to do something about that. Seek to come to us, talk to us, see how we can help rebuild that trust for the sake of your soul. And finally, and maybe closely tied to this one, is get to know your elders, talk with them. This is a two-way street. Obviously, our elders are, are tasked with getting to know the sheep, to talk with the sheep, to engage with the sheep. But guess what? We invite you to, to initiate with us. We love that. Get to know your elders. Encourage them. Support them. But get to know them as the ones who are caring for your soul. I'm thankful at the end of the day that our elders are merely under shepherds who serve beneath the chief shepherd who Peter draws attention to in 1 Peter chapter 5. Christ Jesus is a far better shepherd. But the reason we can trust and follow the lead of our spiritual shepherds is because by God's grace, they are seeking to follow the example of the good shepherd himself. So may God supply strength for this church body to humbly yet joyfully follow the leadership of their God-appointed elders. Would you pray with me to that end? Father, we do thank you. We thank you for your grace. Oh, man, you are a marvelous God, and you have given us so much beyond what we deserve and what we could ever ask for. And we do thank you that you are a good shepherd. You are one who leads us, who feeds us, who guards us. You are one who cares for us. And we recognize that in your sovereign plan, you desired for there to be imperfect, fallible men who have been called to this task even within the church as uh, representatives of you, as under-shepherds in your church. I pray that you would strengthen the men who are currently serving in that role, help them to be mature, to, to, to point people back to Christ in their life and in their instruction, and pray for us as a people, that you would help us to be a people who are trusting, who are humble, who are willing, Lord, to follow that leadership, not ultimately for their sake, but ultimately, Lord, for the sake of your glory and your name. And we know that we will benefit as uh, your people as a result of that to that end.